You are listening to Songezoma Pepe on the Station of the Year. Yeah, we are back. We are live on air. I understand that my guest, unfortunately, has just been load shed um, at 20 hours. So we do hope that somehow we can get through to her without the kinds of troubles that some of you may quite be aware of. And in fact, this is exactly why we are having this conversation. Stage six, stage seven, in certain instances, stage eight, we have a new electricity minister. But perhaps let's have a legal conversation now as to whether or not there are intellectual liability issues that could face or will soon face ESCOM in the light of the damage, really, that is everything to do with load shedding. Let's now open that conversation with Ms. Tsepo Mujabelo, Director at Mujabelo Attorneys. Tsepo, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's hope that the load shedding, however bad it is, will not affect this line. Good evening. I hope so, too. Good evening, Sonia. Good evening to all the listeners. Thank you for having me tonight. This is an opportunity now for you to remember your law of delict and, by extension, (laughs) educate the country (laughs) on it. When we talk about the delictual liability of ESCOM, what are we talking about? What is the law of delict? What are the elements and what obligations, if any, does ESCOM have to us as a society before we can even have a conversation as to whether or not ESCOM is indeed liable to us against the suffering and damage that we are now experiencing. Indeed, indeed. So the law of delict in very simple terms says that where you are a plaintiff and there is harm sustained by you that is caused by the conduct of another, the conduct which is also wrongful, and there is a causal connection between the conduct and the harm, and there's a fault of blameworthiness on the part of the defendant, then you have a claim for, um, for, for under delict. Those are essentially the elements. What it says then is that those elements of harm and conduct, they are fact-based inquiries. So you have to look at what the um, causation, whether it's part factual or part normative, um, the wrongfulness, the fault, all of that, they fall into whether or not you have a claim under delict. Now, when we then, those are just the elements, legally speaking, and then you now look at ESCOM and try to figure out whether or not ESCOM actually has, um, or, or any civil, any civilian actually has a claim against, uh, against ESCOM. And the long and short of it is that if you can prove all the elements that you have suffered harm, um, that it is as a result of the conduct by ESCOM and that there's a link between the harm that you have suffered and the conduct of ESCOM and it is their fault, then definitely you have a claim um, against ESCOM. But it's actually not that simple. Why I'm saying it's not that simple is because ESCOM, as a state-owned entity one, they, um, 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 they sell the electricity. Now, they are the monopoly currently in the country where they provide the electricity, but they provide them to who? The municipality. The municipality who, in turn, then resell that electricity to you as a civilian. Now, when we look at both those parties there, you look at the claim that any civilian can have against a municipality and also against ESCOM. Now, the only difference there is that if you have a contract directly with ESCOM, then if you can prove all the elements, you would most likely be successful with a claim for delict. 
But if you have a contract with the municipality, then that um, claim obviously <coughs> then falls onto the municipality as opposed to ESCOM. No. Precisely on what you are saying, the very few people, if any, certainly at, at a residential level, would directly deal with ESCOM. In other words, they are not drawing their power from ESCOM infrastructure and they are not buying their electricity from an ESCOM dispensary. They are doing so for the instances of somebody like me in Johannesburg from City Power or for somebody in another municipality, it would be from that municipal office through its agents whichever they are. But in essence, the person is contracting by and large with the municipality or another organ, which is not in any event ESCOM. So truly for the delict, it is me and my municipality or city power with whom I contract. So therefore, my claim would be presumably from what you have said against the municipality. Would I be in a position to join ESCOM? In other words, I'm trying to establish truly who is the one that is at fault. Fault in the sense that I've paid for electricity, I'm not getting it. That should be the simple contract and the contractual breach there. I'm reducing this to the level of the home at this stage anyway. Okay. Then you need to then take the, um, the, 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 the conversation just a step back. Mm-hmm. Because that deals with um, uh, any individual's right to what we call then electricity. Because the current legal dispensation is that um, the right to electricity is entrenched, um, not explicitly in the Constitution, but as a, a resource that is the obligation of the municipality to provide to us. Now, because the municipality has to give effect to the rights that we have, they then enlist the service provider being ESCOM, you see. And there is where it gets a bit tricky because the reality is that if a municipality has to provide a service that is constitutionally um, in, entrenched for any South African or any person in the country, then they have to enlist that service from ESCOM. And if ESCOM has um, capacity issues or if they have delivery issues or they have whatever issues that they have, it hinders directly on the right of me as a civilian to receive that um, that electricity. Now, when I'm saying take it a step back, it's because both entities um, are have that duty basically to provide that. It's just different. The, the difference rather is in who has a legal duty towards what. There's a contractual duty, and then there is that legal duty that is created. Now, between the municipality and ESCOM is the contract where they are contracted to, um, where rather ESCOM is contracted to the municipality to provide those services so that the municipality can in turn provide the services and the rights um, that are entrenched to or, or, or that um, we as a civilian is entitled to. And I'm saying that where is where the problem um, um, stems a bit. Because you look at it, um, ESCOM should be providing this electricity. But if they're saying they're unable to because of the load or whatever, is there an issue of negligence? And again, even the legislation currently is in such a different way that the municipality act, um, says that there is a duty on ESCOM to provide that um, electricity, but on the other hand, the regulator, the Electricity Act, 
basically then says that there is no duty on ESCOM to provide an Hold it on that there is no duty. Sorry, Tsepo. their own rules. Tsepo, can I ask you to hold, please, because I have to go to an ad break. Please hold, Tsepo. I have to go to an ad break. We stopped at the point where there is no duty for ESCOM to provide the electricity in those circumstances. We'll have to come back soon. We continue the conversation. We are with Ms. Tsepo Mujabelo, Director at Mujabelo Attorneys. The legal load the legal lowdown on load shedding. Rather, it's a conversation that we're having as to whether or not there may be a case for ESCOM or municipalities delictually liable to you at home for the damage to property and the losses that you're incurring. Certain businesses can directly attribute their closure to the fact that they do not have a consistent supply of electricity. I know a couple of persons who have lost homes because of surge. When the power comes back on, there's more going through the circuit that obviously creates a short circuit. It burns the house down. Quite literally, it has happened. I very nearly could have been a victim of that, thankfully, and I don't know how I dodged that particular bullet. My plug just literally took the bullet for the team. I noticed later on when I was trying to use that plug that it wasn't working. Upon further investigation, I pulled the plug out and I noticed that it had burnt. It could have been my house. And there are many people who can share stories of the kinds of losses, including, for instance, in East London, Ideal Butchery probably has closed down because of the infrequent energy supply. That is ESCOM. I mean, if you're running a butchery that's servicing half of East London or three quarters of, there's absolutely no way you can afford to not have your fridges fully running on electricity. And even those diesel costs that people are suggesting they should have or could have used, they are astronomical and that's no way, certainly not a sustainable way to run a business. And you at home have had to throw food after having to throw food after having to throw food. Surely somebody is responsible for that and that's essentially the conversation we are having with you, Tsepo. Now, you are talking to us about the potential that ESCOM may not in fact be liable and we had lost a bit of the momentum because we needed to take an ad break before then. I'm wondering if you can carry on from there, please. Thank you so much. I don't know. I don't even know um, where I got cut off. But just to um, state there with the ESCOM basically saying that they're not liable. Now, um, their own acts and regulations basically state that they are not liable. Yes, they've got, um, yes, they provide electricity, but they are also not liable for any losses or damages that arises out of their failure to provide you that electricity. Now, that then puts put a, a consumer then in a precarious position because if you're not liable, but also there's another act that says that um, I've got the right to receive that electricity supply because I've got a contract now um, where I'm paying and therefore I need to get the services. You know, that's where the, the fight, uh, I'll call it a legal fight, that goes on there. But um, we have seen that and this is what's coming up in articles and with um, legal academia. They're saying that a class action would be the most probable um, action that you would take against ESCOM, where a variety of um, people come together and then you put that claim again to say that we've lost this much, I've lost um, 100 rand from my fridge, you've lost 2,000 rand and whatever. We all put it together in one claim against ESCOM. But again, the reality is that 
at the end, it's going to come back to the very consumer that are taking it to court. Because the nature of it is that you are claiming from ESCOM or a municipality, and they then need to recover their costs. How? By either taking the prices up um, um, to cater for all of that litigation. And the reality is, courts will not be willing. And I will not say, let me rather rephrase that and not say will not. But the courts will be reluctant to make such an order because of the uh, public policy that can come up after that. You can imagine if every single person now claims against ESCOM, it will cause a collapse of the company um, or, or, or of the entity itself, having to deal with those um, claims or, or, or claims that will be successful in the court. But ESCOM is certainly in breach of its contract with the, let me call it the state, be it with a municipality or with me at an individual, and that is a societal, at a societal level anyway, we become the state. There, there are certain obligations that are due by ESCOM that ESCOM is not honoring, and that is the basis upon which we are even having this conversation and contemplating whether or not there is suitability in this instance for a class action against ESCOM. What then becomes the obligations on ESCOM or incumbent upon ESCOM to honor its contractual obligations, and that is to provide electricity? That's exactly the court case that is currently um, in, in, in the courts now. Um, I don't know if you would be aware of the UDM case with yeah. others. Yeah. Um, yeah, that has actually been in court. So on the 20th of March, they had their first court hearing. And during that court hearing, they were only specifically dealing with, you know, the, the healthcare professionals, you know, the uh, um, essential services and what they... Um, what the effect is. Now, Part B of that deals with exactly that. Part A of that court action is saying that there are alternatives, and we are asking for the court to, for, for ESCOM to give us alternatives, not only give us alternatives, but also to give us a plan. Because most of the worries and the cries that are coming from the public is that uh, um, the issue of, of a, a load collapse is subterfuge. It's almost like it's superfluous. They're just saying that we don't want to go into a blackout, we don't want to go into a blackout, but we're not given sufficient reasons as to, one, what the plans that are being done to make sure that this plan that they have, if they do have a plan, actually works, and two, to have some sort of monitoring in place. Because this is a problem that dates back to 1999, when ESCOM, even though then it was not a state-owned entity, but they ought to have seen that the grid is collapsing, they need um, to either maintain or build and whatever, but that has not been done. So it's all of those things that will be seen in the court action to see how the courts are going to react to it. And yes, there is a valid claim, but as to the actual... Um, order being made against ESCOM, I don't see it likely being made unless if the court can now say that put a plan in place, let's monitor the plan and then see where the plan goes. I suppose if I decided to simply, and I am on, not on prepaid, but on the billing, backdated billing, what if I just simply decide for the municipality 
not to offer me that service and not to include it in my monthly municipal statement, precisely because of the issues one continues to experience at the instance of having electricity and then not having electricity. So I simply say, as I would in any instance in a normal contract or in a normal relationship, say I'm no longer wanting to be part of the setup. What, if any, are the rights available to the consumer in that sense? Well, the right to the consumer, I mean, simply put, yes, you are at liberty to say, I want to go off-grid, and um, you will no longer be providing that service for me. Now, the problem that um, would occur, obviously, in some instances, is that there cannot be um, that removal um, of, of, of electricity supply just to your place. So you'd find maybe, let's say, in a complex setting or in a, a state setting, the electricity supply is to that area. Now, if you no longer wish to be part of that, all you're going to do is basically not use the ESCOM electricity. You'll use your alternatives that you use. But unfortunately, you'll still be um, liable for whatever rates or whatever taxes that come with the supply there and also whatever usage is actually getting there. Surely this is a problem here, Tsepo. I mean, I'm paying for electricity. I'm Mm -hmm. not enjoying whatever electricity I am getting because it's on when I don't need it. When I need it, it's not on. And when I'm enjoying it, it suddenly goes off or they tell me it's going to go on at 8 and come off at 10 and that doesn't happen. So because of this, it's no longer tenable for me. I decide I want out. I've been paying. Now... I want out, indeed I am out, and then I still have obligations. Surely the law of contract doesn't support that as you and I would understand the law of contract. But more than that, I think just at a commonsensical level, the, the, the consumer can't be screwed to that extent that my hands are tied, I've got absolutely no say against whatever ESCOM decides to do or not to do. If not ESCOM, I want to use the term interchangeably with my municipality. I don't want to be part of the setup. It's not serving me. I don't want to pay, so take me off the grid. Don't bill me for the service because in any event, when I came onto the grid, my house is the one that was billed. I'm the one who is paying for those services. Those are in my name, and if I pay, I'm the one who gets the benefit, or if I don't pay... I'm the one who's now going to be sued. So why can't the opposite be true? Why can't I say I've had enough, I don't want to be part of the setup anymore, take me off the grid and I'll figure (laughs) myself out? Surely. You definitely can do that. Like I'm saying, um, when you decide to go off grid, it means that you you put um, things in place like a generator, solar, whatever it is, that makes sure that you are not consuming the electricity. Now, I'm also saying that as a result, though, um, depending on where you are staying, um, you then have to deal with the ramifications of the actual supply to your area. Now, I stand to be corrected. Um, I do know that um, when you move from, what's it, the, the, the meter to prepaid, I think that's what it's mm-hmm. called. Prepaid, yeah. Um, yes, you can move to the prepaid, and then on the prepaid, you only um, get charged for the consumption. Now, it means, obviously, if you don't load any electricity on the prepaid meter, mm-hmm. then you would not be consuming any electricity mm-hmm. at all. But like I'm saying, it's different for the different municipalities, but I know, um, this is the one instance that I know for sure, that if you move to a prepaid, 
and you're not purchasing any electricity on the prepaid, and you've managed to go fully off-grid, you can live off-grid and it's free. Huh. Wonder what your thoughts are at home. 086-000-2032. We might have time for a quick call, but I have received a couple of messages here to the extent of this conversation as to whether or not there might be obligations on the part of ESCOM delictually to you, the home, for the losses that you may have incurred as a result of load shedding. One is just a general comment and one is actually a specific question. The general comment, although posed as a question, is, Evening song as I don't understand why we are paying for electricity, whereas we are not getting the service. And then a specific question in this. Then who is liable for what we have lost, if not ESCOM? And I think that in part has been answered. Do you have any parting shots just to edify our understanding of the legal obligations? And for us to basically understand more and more that is ESCOM. I mean, it just keeps developing a life of its own. And every day we experience more. But more than that, we learn something. Final comments, Tsepo. <laughs> developing a light of its own as if we have that we have that light. But all in all it, it is true. I know it's frustrating for consumers um to have to go through this. But the long and short is that yes you do have a claim against either ESCOM or the municipality. It's just a matter of you being able to prove that in a court of law and also to prove that causation and the loss and all of that. Um yes you do have a claim. Um, if it will be successful, it's something different. But again, um, yeah, it is the cards that we've been currently now. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much, Ms. Tepo Mojabilo, Director at Mojabilo Attorneys, engaging us the conversation on the delictual liability of ESCOM or the municipality. The time is 2036 after this very short break. Joan van Dijk, health journalist and news editor at Begisisa. Three health ministers have failed South African nurses. A conversation on the public health care sector, and I'm especially minded to ask for comments and calls as to your experience in the public health care sector, specifically your experience with nurses, and how you as an individual have been failed, or better yet, how you have been treated with utmost dignity that has gone beyond your expectation at a health care facility. In other words, your views on nurses at the center where they dispense healthcare services after the break.